Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. So one of the things that I've discovered as a new bishop is that visiting congregations really is by far my favorite part of this job. Uh, and I've been looking forward to being specifically with you all here at Christ Church for a while. Uh, my number one priority as bishop is encouraging congregational vitality. And you all are one of the most vital congregations in our diocese. You are right here an example of what a vital and mission-focused, Christ-centered and welcoming faith community looks like. Now, every congregation exercises ministry in their own context, of course, but there are things that other congregations can learn from Father Everett and from his team and from all of you here at Christ Church. And so as we do our diocesan work on vitality, I'm excited to see you all share what you have experienced here. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you, each and every one of you personally, uh, for all that you do in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know about you, but I noticed a, a particular news story this week. There's a lot of news, but I noticed one news story uh, that caught my attention. General Electric, GE, announced on Tuesday that they will split into three different companies. They're gonna be broken up. This split marks the end, or at least a totally different phase for an iconic 129-year-old corporation that traces its founding all the way back to Thomas Edison and the light bulb. Now in recent years, GE, once a symbol of American industry at its most powerful, has struggled. It struggled in recent years with an unclear mission, with poor leadership at times, and with massive debt. Their story is a cautionary tale. Most businesses fail and most fail in just a couple of years. Large, really well-funded companies almost always survive for less than the lifespan of a typical person. And so GE has done actually remarkably well to make it this long, 129 years in this form. And of course, they will live on in their three divisions. But this news story about GE this week reminds us that no company lives forever. This is the nature of human endeavors generally, isn't it? Every business, organization, group, every government and civilization will one day fall. No one thought the Roman Empire would collapse until the barbarians were massed outside the capital's gates. The time from the Roman Empire's greatest territorial control in 117 AD to the sack of Rome in 410 was less than 300 years. 
When Jesus tells his disciples in today's gospel, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he says this, they are shocked. The temple in Jerusalem, one of the great architectural and religious treasures of the ancient world. But Jesus was speaking not only prophecy, but wisdom. No structure built by human hands, however devout the inspiration, will last forever. And so it was. Not even 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, in 70 AD, the majestic temple was destroyed. Not by God, but by Roman soldiers. Soldiers who thought their leaders' majestic monuments, too, would be eternal. Nothing human lasts an eternity. We live in a perpetual cycle of birth, growth, and death, in ourselves and in what we create. Like the great prophets before him, Jesus was reminding his followers that everything changes. Turmoil always follows peace, and turmoil tends to build to a climax. Wars and rumors, kingdom against kingdom, natural disasters, pandemics, and false leaders claiming only they know the way out of it all. There will come a time eventually when this pattern, this pattern of birth and destruction, peace and war, will finally come to a permanent end, a time of trial at first, but then of no more tears or pain or grief, a time of plenty and of justice for all who are oppressed, a time foretold when God's kingdom will be perfectly fulfilled. But only God knows when that day will come and the cycle of history broken. In the meanwhile, as we wait, we continue our best efforts to increase peace, justice, compassion, and reconciliation wherever we are. We shine God's light in dark places. We strive to follow Jesus love people, and change the world as God gives us the ability. And as we do so, we are wise to hold fast to what will endure. Jesus is teaching us today not to clutch at things that will perish, large buildings, yes, but everything else that is temporary as well. Political leaders, our youth, health, money, possessions, power, and prestige. We will take none of these beloved idols with us to the grave. No, Jesus teaches us, hold fast to what will endure. And what is that? It is Jesus himself. In the words of the letter to the Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He himself is the single perfect offering given once for our sakes. Everything will fade and fall. Nations and governments and denominations, even this beautiful church building. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will reign forever. Twice today, we have these two words, hold fast, hold fast. We have them in our collect of the day. It asks us to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the Holy Scriptures that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life given to us in our Savior, Jesus. And then in our passage from Hebrews, we hear, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Did you know that that phrase, hold fast, was originally a nautical term? It meant gripping the rigging on a boat tightly, especially, of course, during a storm. Whatever stormy waters crash around us, Jesus is the solid rigging, the thick rope to which we can cling for safety. One thing to know about me is that I love our Episcopal calendar of the saints. November 14th, is the day on our church's calendar when we commemorate Samuel Seabury, though he gets bumped today by our Sunday propers. Seabury held fast to Jesus on the arduous and lengthy sea voyage from these young United States to England in 1783. He held fast waiting over a year to be consecrated a bishop because he could not pledge loyalty to the English crown in those years right after the revolution. And Samuel Seabury held fast to Jesus when at last he was consecrated in Scotland as our first American Episcopal bishop before returning home to Connecticut. Like all the saints, we are to hold fast to Jesus. Whatever challenges we face, knowing that he will never fail us. And how do we do this? Through prayer. Both the formal prayers of our prayer book and the informal prayers of our hearts. Daily prayer is how we strengthen our grip to hold fast to the rigging that is Jesus. And also through scripture reading. To hold fast to Jesus is to read the Bible whether through the daily office, morning and evening prayer, or with some other plan, reading often enough that we are digesting it in our hearts and lives. Prayer and Bible reading, alone or especially with others in groups, are the essential exercises of our spirituality, the push-ups and sit-ups of our faith if you will. 
And then strengthened in our relationship with Christ through prayer and scripture reading, we are sent out to love and serve our neighbors with compassion. What are you holding on to in your life? Something fleeting, temporary, something that exists now but may be gone tomorrow? Or are you holding fast to Jesus Christ, the one truly stable thing in this tempestuous life? Hold fast to Jesus, Strengthen your spiritual grip through the training of prayer and reading of God's holy word, nourished by the sacraments, and Jesus will always be with you. Amen.